Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am choosing to podcast this today instead of putting a video on YouTube for a variety of reasons. It's a lot easier to produce and it's more convenient on your end, on the listener's end. You can listen to this from any internet capable device. You can listen to it from a smartphone. You can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it if you're working and have a computer at work. You can listen there. It's just so very convenient. A lot easier to produce as well. I think y'all probably know what I look like. And during this quarantine time, it's possible that at times my appearance may be lacking somewhat. So I assure you, though, if you were to need me for something, call me, text me, and I'll try to look as pastorally as I possibly can. But it is possible that during this time... Um, anyway, that's enough on appearance, but you get where I'm going with that. I, I have a few questions here that I've been researching. One of them was submitted by someone in our church family. A couple of them are just popular questions right now. They're questions that a lot of people have. They're questions that I'm seeing a lot on the internet and on social media that I think you may find interesting, but I hope you find this worth listening to. This should be brief. I hope You'll stay with me because these are some common questions that a lot of people have. The first question that I want to deal with in this podcast today is a question that I have probably seen more or heard more than any right now during this time. Is it wrong to not have church right now? The question is, is it wrong to not have church right now? Now, I think you know... My short answer to that question is no. If I felt it was wrong, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. So no, I don't believe we're doing anything wrong, but I want to provide some biblical context and some biblical answers to the question of whether or not it's wrong to not be having church during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm going to go first to Hebrews Hebrews, a this is probably the proof text for gathering as a church, though it's not the only one. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let me get this pulled up here. A verse you know, you know by heart, many of you, verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. The right of Hebrews says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, in this passage, before I comment further, i got a couple of other verses I want to read too, and we're just kind of kind of put it all together and think about it. This passage is referring to church gathering being an, an option that's happening. It's Your church is meeting, and you're not going. The church is getting together, and you're not gathering with them. And that's not the case right now. So I want to say that first and foremost. So having said that, we now have to consider a couple of other things, I think, to properly answer this question. And so I want to give you a couple of biblical examples. I also would like to go to Romans chapter 13. Give me just a second to pull this up. I'm using a computer program, so it will not take long at all. I'm flipping between a lot of passages to answer these questions. We're going to Romans chapter 13, verse 1, another verse that I think is applicable to the current times. Let 
every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. This verse is applicable to the current times because our government has asked that there be no large gatherings. And that's something that I think is important to consider in this as right now this is not just a targeting of churches. This is a order, a request. I'm not sure what all is being enforced in our state. I know we have seen some church gatherings attempted during this time and they have been broken up by law enforcement in certain parts of the state. But right now the command from our government is not against churches per se. It's against all large gatherings. So keep that in mind as I attempt to biblically respond to this question of whether it's not whether or not it's wrong not to have church right now. Are we committing some type of sin by not having church right now? So we're commanded in Hebrews to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're told in Romans by Paul, let every sub let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Right now, our governing authorities have asked us not to assemble ourselves in large groups and gatherings. And that, that's not just for churches. And so considering what I said earlier, that in Hebrews we have a situation where church is being held, God's people are gathering, and we're being commanded when God's people gather, we're being commanded to, to be there as much as possible, to not forsake that. Right now that gathering is not happening, and it's not happening because of concerns for health and safety especially the most vulnerable in our church population that are at risk to the coronavirus. So our motive here for not having church at the time is a it's it's born out of love for one another. Out of concern for one another's safety. We don't want to put one another in harm's way unnecessarily. Our government has not singled out religion or Christianity yet. I'm not denying that that could happen one day, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. So how is this current situation different from civil disobedience that we see in Acts chapter 5? I'm going to turn there. In Acts chapter 5, we see Peter and the apostles civilly disobeying the governing authorities. Now, Paul just told us in Romans to be subject to the governing authorities, but how far does that go and where does that end for the Christian? Peter and the other apostles had been arrested for um, proclaiming the gospel, the miraculous works they're doing. They're, they're making quite a stir, doing the work of the Lord. They're in the book of Acts in the early, early days of the Christian church. And they've been arrested and they're brought before the council. And the high priest asked them, this is Acts chapter 5, verse 28. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. It's Peter's answer in verse 29 that brings up the possibility that Christians can civilly disobey. That's peaceful disobedience. And be right in doing so. Because Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
how is what Peter was facing different from what we're facing now? I would say at the moment it's very, very different. It's very different because they're explicitly being commanded not to practice their faith. They're being given a direct commandment not to preach, not to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is very different than what we're currently facing. What we're currently facing is a temporary, I hope, and I strongly believe that it is temporary right now, request or command in some places of our government not to gather in large gatherings and be careful to protect one another. And that goes for all gatherings, as I said a moment ago. So I hope by now, as I've read these passages, you're starting to see the difference if you didn't catch this already. I do not believe that we are in a season of persecution by our government right now, and I'm not saying that could never happen. One thing that I think we need to watch and be careful of right now is the power of the government, the scope and size of the government has definitely gotten larger during this crisis. And this is not something we haven't seen before in history, but we do need to watch. The federal government grew immensely larger during the Great Depression, attempting to address the problems of that crisis. It grew immensely larger in World War I and World War II to take control of the economy and production. We've seen our government grow larger several times in times of crisis to help the country and help people. But the dangerous thing about that is when government assumes a lot more power for itself during a crisis is not usually willing to surrender that power once the crisis is over. So that's something we will watch. We will watch the size, scope, and power of our federal government. I do not want to instill any unnecessary fear in you. I don't see a reason to fear what the government is doing at this time. I believe the efforts that are being made are being made in an attempt to keep this virus from spreading. Now, there's a lot of arguments out there about the effectiveness of it. That, that's not the debate I'm having right now. That's not the discussion I'm engaging in at the moment. The question that I'm addressing and attempting to answer is, is it wrong for us to not have church? Are we in violation of the command in Hebrews chapter 10. Right now, I do not believe that we are. It is our goal and effort to have, uh, as soon as it is safe, to have church again and pray that this never happens again. Our prayer is that we have saved lives. Our prayer is that we have protected people. We do not have a situation here where we have the opportunity to have church safely and we're just choosing not to. We're just lazily, neglectfully not having church. That's not what we're doing. We're doing this to act lovingly toward one another, to our neighbors, to protect one another, to keep each other safe. So I do not believe the current uh, that currently we are in violation of Hebrews chapter 10. I believe the time now, that this is the time to respect what the governing authorities are saying. I hope that they... Loosen up on some of these restrictions soon, but I want it to be safe. I don't want to return here and put people in harm's way and make people sick and have to do this all over again. 
So when is civil disobedience? I'll say this and move on to the next question. What, what Peter and the apostles were facing in Acts chapter 5 that I read a moment ago. When is it proper for a Christian to civilly disobey the governing authorities? I think it's proper and right when we're faced, and if we're, and I hope we never are. I hope this never happens. But if we're faced with a situation like Peter and the apostles were in Acts chapter 5, where they're being explicitly forbidden to preach. I mean, that that's such a strict uh, that that's such a strict restriction by the government that they're telling them literally not to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in that situation, when the government is saying you can't have church, you can they're singling out our faith, they're singling out our gathering, they're that that's persecution. That would officially be persecution. And if that were to happen, then you're looking at the possibility of Christians disobeying civilly, and that would be the right thing to do. It would also make the church very look very different. This is why I pray this never happens to us. Now, we have brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world that this is the norm for them. They have to hide to have church. They have to have church in homes. They can't have large gatherings that draw attention like we do. There are many Christians around the world today functioning and serving Christ in a persecuted church. I pray that doesn't happen to us. So to sum up this question, is it wrong for us not to have church right now? No, it's not. We're not in violation of Hebrews chapter 10. I don't believe we're facing a situation anything like Peter and the apostles were in Acts chapter 5. Not to say that could never happen, but I certainly pray that it doesn't happen. And right now I think it's our responsibility to be obedient to Romans 13, 1 and submit to the governing authorities right now. If I feel different in the future, I'll let you know. If we see evidence in the future that things are changing, we'll let you know. I don't believe... The reason I'm not concerned about that so much right now is because I believe whether you like them or not, and I don't want to get overly political here, I don't, whether you like them or not, I believe that we have a president and a governor right now that are friendly to our faith. That doesn't mean they always make the right decisions. That doesn't mean that they're beyond any type of scrutiny. Certainly doesn't mean they're flawless or perfect. But I do not believe there is any hostile intentions in our president or governor right now towards Christians. And so if that changes down the road, we'll certainly have that discussion. But right now, I think the effort to keep us from gathering in large gatherings is one to try to uh, prevent the spread of the virus, to try to prevent the overwhelming of our hospitals, and do I hope it ends soon? Absolutely. Do I think we may have overreacted as a whole? I, I don't know. Those are discussions we can have. Those are legitimate discussions. Those are things we can talk about. But to answer the question, right now, are we sinning by not having church? Are we in violation of Hebrews 10.25? I would say the answer is no. We would be in violation of that down the road if it's safe 
and we were to just say, hey, you know what, we we just, and this is not going to happen, <laughs> we're not going to do this, so don't don't get the wrong idea, but if down the road some churches were to say, hey, you know what, we liked, we just like the Facebook Live, we're just going to do that from now on, we're going to go to church in our pajamas in our living room, and we're not going to gather with God's people, and we're just going to do that, then at that point, when it's safe, if churches were to say, you know what, we're just going to scrap the idea of gathering together and just have church at home for convenience sake, then that would be a violation of Hebrews 10.25. But that's not what we're doing right now. That's not what we're doing. Before I go on to the next question, I just want to say you can always call church members. You have my phone number. It's in the bulletin each week. It's on the church Facebook page. It's on my personal Facebook page. You can call or text anytime. Email at J-E and my full last names, all lowercase letters, J-E Varnon, J-E-V-A-R-N-O-N at gmail.com. Feel free to have a discussion with me. Hey, I agree with that. Or, hey, have you thought about this? Um, Just let me know. I've got time right now to email you i've got time anytime to email you don't when this pandemic is over don't feel like you can't communicate with me that's what i'm here for but if you want to discuss this then let's do it let me know what you think um question number two this is another question that's just popular right now it wasn't submitted by a church member but it's one worth considering what about the lord's supper right now Should we have a virtual Lord's Supper? Should we have Lord's Supper via Facebook Live? Now, this is one some in church leadership. I'm going to have friends, and I'm going to have people likely disagree with my take on this. And I want to make it clear that my brothers who may be leading churches a different direction than I'm about to hear, I do not think that they are committing some type of sin. They may disagree with me, I may disagree with their approach, but I do not believe that they're sinning by doing what they're doing. But what's my take on the Lord's Supper right now? My take on the Lord's Supper right now is no. And let me explain why. I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 12. 1 Corinthians 11 and 12. Let me get there. Here we go. This is a passage that I use a lot when we have the Lord's Supper at church. Um, Paul is frustrated, it, it seems, with many in the church. He's reprimanding them. He's scolding them for the way they're acting. There's a lot of divisions among them. There's unforgiveness. There's immorality. There's drunkenness. And, and this leads into his instructions for the Lord's Supper. I'm not going to read all of this. But I couldn't help but notice, I counted five times from, from 11, 17. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. All the way through to verse 34. 11, 17 through 34. I counted five times where he uses the phrase, when you come together. Now this is in reference to the Lord's Supper. He says this, um, 
Verse 17, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, for the worse. Verse 18, first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Verse 20, therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper like it should be. Verse, I'm going down to verse 33. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. He also says it again. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. But five times there in this passage where he's discussing the Lord's Supper, the phrase is used, when you come together. So what's my take on this? And again, I'm going to have, brother, I'm going to have close friends disagree with me on this. This is not hostile disagreement. We're all in uncharted territory right now. We're all, all of us pastors and deacons are having to make the best decisions to lead our churches right now. But my take is wait until we come together again to have the Lord's Supper. And when it's safe, we will. We'll do that. I can't fully explain this, but I, I do believe there's something about the Lord's Supper, based on what I've just read in Scripture here in 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, and going back to the original Lord's Supper, Christ with his disciples in the upper room, we don't have a New Testament precedent for the Lord's Supper being observed without being together. So can we open God's word together right now virtually through Facebook Live and other means? Yes, we can, and we are. We want to get back here together as soon as it's safe. But is the Lord's Supper something that I think we should observe through Facebook for me? And if you disagree with me, this is not hostile disagreement. This is not a point of contention. This is not a point of fellowship. We can fellowship and be friends if you disagree with me here. But but for me, the answer to the Lord's Supper through Facebook right now is no. But as soon as we're able to come together, as soon as we're able to safely, will we have the Lord's Supper right away? Probably not. I don't know really, but probably not because there's the aspect of everyone touching the tray and the cups being passed out. There might be a safe way we could do that. We'll look at it and see. But this question's been making the rounds, and for me right now, Facebook virtual Lord's Supper, I'm not going that direction right now. And and I'm I'm grounding my stance on that in Paul's emphasis here in Corinthians on being together for this. And also on the fact that, as I've already said, I don't have a pres I don't have a precedent in the Bible that I can go to and say, hey, they had the Lord's Supper. They didn't have the ability. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the Internet. They couldn't have some type of virtual Lord's Supper. So every New Testament example of communion or the Lord's Supper is God's people together observing that. And as soon as that's safe and as soon as we get to do that, we will. And I can't wait. I look forward to that. All right, there's one more question here. This one was submitted. This was submitted by a church member. This was submitted by Eileen. I got her permission to 
answer this here. Let me pull up her question and read it as she wrote it. This comes from Eileen. I have a question for you when you run out of something to think about. I always like to think and I'm always thinking about something. So I don't know if I'll ever run out of anything to think about. But this is, I've enjoyed thinking about this. So feel free to send me questions anytime. I'll do my best. Why do we not celebrate the Sabbath, which is Saturday? and instead use Sunday. It was mentioned to me that one of the Roman Catholic popes was the one who changed the day, but I don't know where that person got that info. The biblical command, she doesn't say that, I'm quoting now, is remember the Sabbath day. She quotes, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That was the day no work was to be done. I'm very curious. So the question is, why do we not celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday? Why don't we celebrate on Sunday? Well, I've done a lot of research on this and still am. I've got a lot more to learn. Uh, the short answer is because Christ was resurrected on a Sunday. The first day of the week was the day on which our Lord rose from the dead. We see that in John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. The Bible doesn't refer to the first day of the week as Sunday from from my research, Sunday, the word itself, Sunday, uh, actually has some pagan origins referring to a sun god. What does the Bible refer to Sunday as? It, it just simply calls it the first day of the week. The first day of the week, our Lord rose from the dead. There's also a biblical reference by John in Revelation to the first day of the week as the Lord's day. He says in Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice like, a trumpet. In Acts chapter 2, this the first day of the week was the day on which the Holy Spirit was poured upon the church. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 36. Concerning the Pope, did he make Sunday the new Sabbath? Well, I can't find any evidence that there was any type of papal decree on that, but the Catholic Church does claim in some of its catechism that the Sabbath was changed to Sunday. You go back to 321 A.D. before there was an official pope, and you have Emperor Constantine decreeing in 321. Now keep in mind, 321 A.D., this would have been a couple centuries after, you know, by that time the church has existed for a couple hundred years. Uh, actually, little more than more than that but i haven't written down precise numbers here so forgive me for that so if christ died somewhere around 33 a.d then 321 a.d you can do the math constantine decrees on this venerable day of the sun let the magistrates and people residing in cities rest and let all workshops be closed so constantine does when he makes christianity a legal official religion he does make Sunday the day of rest. But the best I can answer this question is there is ample evidence in the Bible and other resources that Christians, from the time of Christ's resurrection, they gathered to worship him on Sunday instead of Saturday. Let me give you a little bit of biblical evidence. Acts chapter 20, 
Verse 7, on the first day of the week when we gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So why that leads us to the question now of why is it okay to worship on Sunday? If, if the observation in the Old Testament concerning Sabbath observation, if that was so strict, why is it okay now to worship on Sunday instead of observing a Saturday Sabbath? The short answer, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of biblical evidence, is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. All of those strict requirements and observance of the Sabbath in the Old Testament was pointing to the reality that one day we would have our Sabbath rest in Christ. Okay? Paul writes in Colossians 2, he says this, that he canceled the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And then he says this, Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating surly holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths with a capital S there. And he says that for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So if the Old Testament Sabbath, Paul says, was a shadow of the reality yet to come, who is that reality that the Old Testament Sabbath was a shadow of? It's Christ himself. And so as Christians, we find our Sabbath in Christ. He is our Sabbath rest. And so Christians worshiping on the day that Christ rose from the dead, consider something. Up until Christ's resurrection, the Sabbath was the seventh day, was Saturday. And so you worked all week looking forward to the day of rest on the Sabbath. All right, with Christ rising from the dead, on a Sunday, the first day of the week. Now we rest and worship on the first day of the week and we work the remainder of the week. So now, let me put it this way. In the Old Testament, you had a forward-looking, all week long you're looking forward to the Sabbath rest and worship. And now we work from and out of our Sabbath rest and worship. I'm just scratching the surface to the history of this. There's tons of resources out there. If I can help anyone with it, let me know. What's the short answer? If I've only got a few words to answer the question, why do we not celebrate the Sabbath on a Saturday? Because Christians from the time of the resurrection, now there's going to be some disagree with me on this, especially some outside of our Baptist denomination. But Christians from the earliest days of the, of the early church right after Christ's resurrection began worshiping on Sunday. 
Because that's the day Christ rose from the dead. So are we bound to a Saturday Sabbath observation? As Christians know, we are not. And it's my conviction that the New Testament makes that very clear. I don't know how there's so much confusion on that. Especially when you look at the words of Paul. One of them, one of the verses I just read. But are we, as Christians, or do let me start over, do I believe that we as Christians are to observe a day of rest and worship? Absolutely, yes, I do. And the evidence of that is God's people worshiping on the day of the resurrection. The biblical reference in the New Testament to Sunday being the Lord's day. God pouring his Holy Spirit on the church on the first day of the week in Acts chapter 2. John's reference in Revelation to the Lord's day. I could go on and on, but I believe there's ample biblical evidence that the Lord's day is our day of worship now. So I hope that's helpful. Um, like I said, that's just scratching the surface. There's so much history there. There's so much that could be discussed. But we celebrate and worship on Sunday because that's the day that Christ rose from the dead. That's the day that the earliest Christians worshipped. One email, and if you'd like to send me some more, I'd be glad to read them. Uh, just let me know. I will. If you don't let me know, I'll ask, but I don't, I don't read anything on anything like this without permission church members many y'all ask often you remember well bruce bruce wrote me the other day his wife mitzi thanks for the video of what god has laid on your heart this was in response to video a couple of weeks ago i believe a devotion i did on youtube i think you and i have shared similar thoughts on the subject of no one has tomorrow promise in this life under the curse and that was the topic of the video that i had done very natural and relaxed presentation bruce says love the way you button your shirt to the top handsome modest man like andy griffith was sort of with a smiley face there yeah bruce i appreciate that um but that's one of the advantages of the podcast now so i don't i don't have to take as much care into the video and appearance factor but having said that as i sit here recording audio i still think my shirt is buttoned all the way to the top but anyway bruce says have a blessed day and deacon says hello to his mom now deacon is the son of church dog if you go to church here you know church dog you've met and she don't know what's going on right now. She is going to be ecstatic when people get to come back to church. But I'm glad that Deacon is doing well. I'm glad, Bruce, you're doing well. I hope you get to listen to this. We miss y'all. Church family, right? If there's anything you'd like for me to read, I love y'all. Miss you. If there's something you want me to talk about in a future podcast or a question you'd like for me to answer, I've got plenty of time right now to dig and do research let me know. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll get to be together again soon. Take care.